Hey guys, Candace Eisner back with you again this week. And this podcast episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about client-centered care. Welcome to Life Beyond the Massage Table, a podcast for massage therapists, or really anyone who works in health and wellness. I'm here to help you take a look at your business and practice in new ways, to think outside the box, and to shift gears from the same old stuff that isn't helping you build the life and the business that you really want. Let's get started. Hey, and welcome back to the podcast. I hope you guys are all doing really well out there. Yeah, for this week, I wanted to give you some food for thought about client-centered care and what that really means in terms of your own business practice wellness center, whatever it is that you're you're working on, whatever your business is, basically, whether you're a solo practitioner, or you work with a few other people. The idea for this podcast episode kind of came up with some of the work I'm doing um, with marketing with some people. And um, just it's kind of a pattern I'm seeing. And I see it not just with wellness and fitness and health practitioners like you guys, but I you see it generally speaking, like I'm sure you guys have seen this before, where Um, somebody feels that their product or service is not getting purchased or, you know, believed in or, um, you know, clients aren't returning, that kind of thing, because not enough people know about their service. So they get really worried about, you know, building a website and search engine optimization and marketing, 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 and, you know, as in like ads, the, you know, the outward face of marketing, which is what we usually talk about around here. Um, And it's not to say those things aren't important, but it's not just about that. It's not, you know, it's not that like the message is not getting heard necessarily. That could be a factor and it's definitely something you need to think about. So yeah, sometimes you'll see people thinking that that's the problem is that like their website's not good enough. They're not doing enough SEO. They're not posting on social media enough. And if they do that, that'll fix the problem. Now that could be true. You know, and I I do believe that everybody needs a good marketing plan and everybody does need to think about those things. And the other thing that you see happening sometimes is it's not so much about, you know, um, their marketing is lacking. They're doing lots of that, but they feel that, you know, people just don't seem to understand how good my product or service is. And I need to do this big education campaign in order to make sure that they understand how great it is. And I say that in, you know, that tone of voice because that doesn't really come off so great if you if you really boil it down. Sometimes, you know, there's nothing wrong with education campaigns, generally speaking. I mean, like, think about uh, cancer care campaigns that you've seen or like uh, stop smoking campaigns or some of the really great campaigns that have come up in recent times about um, stopping date rape or stopping some of those issues. Um, Yeah, you know, education campaigns are awesome. But you can't fall into this mindset as a small business practitioner or, you know, a health and wellness practitioner, fitness practitioner, that it's just about educating the clients that, you know, it's, it's all about, well, they just don't understand how great my services are. Well, I need to educate them and therefore they'll start booking with me. That's not necessarily true. And again, education's great, but there's something else that you need to think about. And it's that client-centered care part of the equation. So let me delve into this topic a little bit more. So a common thing I'm seeing in health and wellness professions like you guys is 
and I'm not saying it's you guys specifically, if you're listening to this podcast, maybe you don't do this, but I do see a lot of people do it online, on Facebook, on various other places. I see people chatting sometimes in person when I'm chatting with people, is they complain that others in the profession don't do things the right way. And I'm putting that in finger quotes here. Or the way that they do them, or the way they think is best for the profession, the way they should be done, yada, yada, yada. For example, I'll give you a concrete example. RMTs, registered massage therapists, will complain that many are not doing proper assessments and aren't using evidence-based practices when working with their clients. It's a common complaint. It's been around for many years. You know, my my education as an RMT ended in 2006. We were talking about it then. We're still talking about it now, and it's 2018, right? So then these people sometimes go on to complain that the other therapist is super busy, has a full practice. Why is that? They don't assess. They don't really think about evidence-based treatment protocols and so on. Like, how is that? Be- how is that? And you know, that's not good for the profession because it just makes clients think that people don't have those skills and it doesn't further the, to advance the profession. It's just not good. It's fine. It's all fine and good for that person's business, but it's just not good for the profession. It's not good for me as a practitioner who cares about assessing and who cares about the latest research and all that stuff. Now, I am not going to tell you on this podcast episode or anywhere for that matter that research and updating your skills and using assessments and all of that stuff we're talking about aren't important. They are important. And that goes for all of you, not just for the RMTs out there, not just for the people who work in regulated health professions out there. The most effective people working in health and wellness are the ones who take the time to properly determine what is going on with a client before they start trying to treat it or help the client with it. So that usually involves some sort of assessments or tests or verbal questions or, you know, that kind of stuff. It doesn't just involve going, oh, okay, I know what's happening with you. Here's a treatment plan. No, like you need to figure out what's actually going on and not just guess, right? Guessing doesn't, you know, sometimes you hit the mark when you guess, but often you don't. And that's why assessments and you know, uh, knowing the latest research and using certain protocols is important. So I'm not going to argue about that. That's definitely, you know, that's a good thing. So, so please don't write me an angry email saying I'm, I'm saying that evidence-based practice is bad. I'm definitely not saying that. Okay. However, here's the thing that I am trying to say. The key you might be missing is these successful practitioners who aren't doing things the right way. And again, that's in finger quotes and aren't updating their skills based on the latest science and evidence and research, they're doing something a lot of practitioners aren't doing. Guess what it is? They're listening to what their clients have to say. And I mean really listening, not just not just writing down a few couple of notes and then getting on to the treatment plan. They're really listening. They're taking a huge interest in their client's care and they're remembering things. You know, the client comes back in and they're like, And they know that the client's been, even though it's not directly related to the treatment, but they know that the client's been dealing with some stress at home. And so they're just saying, you know, how are you? How's, how's that going with your daughter? You know, just, just because they care. It's not, it's, you know, it's okay that it's not part of the treatment. You can care about people, right? Um, And they're letting the client participate fully in developing the treatment plan. They're not just saying, well, I'm the therapist and I know best and this is the way it's going to go right? So that's it. Basically, they're doing the one big thing that clients really want to be heard, to be respected, to be involved in their care, and then to have their problems actually dealt with. However, that actually dealt with comes last. 
They want to be heard and respected and be involved first before you actually delve into the problem for real. Now, let me read a definition of client-centered care from the Registered Nurses Association of Ontario, but really, like, they're all very similar. It's just, I, I thought, you know, I like the way this one reads. So, client-centered care is an approach in which clients are viewed as whole persons. It is not merely about delivering services where the client is located. Client-centered care involves advocacy, empowerment, and respecting the client's autonomy, voice, self-determination, and participation in decision-making. That's a really nice definition. I just kind of, that made me go, oh yeah, that, that kind of hits on all the points, doesn't it? Now again, you know, I'm not like a stakeholder with the Registered Nurses Association. I'm not an expert on healthcare. You know, I'm just a, you know, someone who works, someone who's a former healthcare provider, someone who receives healthcare in many different forms these days, you know, but reading that definition, that makes me go, yeah, that's the way I want to be treated as a client. And that's really the crux of it here, isn't it? So... And again, let me be super clear with you guys. I am not saying doing assessments and reading the latest research and following new protocols and being up to date is not proper client-centered care, that is. That is not at all what I'm saying. So please don't take that as the message because that's not it. What I am saying is there's this pattern I'm seeing as a former therapist, as a client, and sometimes when I'm doing my business coaching, it's that practitioners get this thing into their heads that they know how to trip, what the best way to treat something is or what the client really needs. And then it becomes about them and their techniques and what they learned in school and how to do the things. And I'm the authority here and I'm the one who says how things go. And it becomes about X, we need to do X, Y, Z for specific outcomes. And that's the way it is. It kind of becomes like some sort of like government regulated thing. Like, uh, like I used to do motor vehicle accident claims and yeah, you know, it's all very strict paperwork. It has to be done in a certain way. And, you know, if you're not doing real client centered care, it kind of feels like all your care is this super strict way. And, you know, you're not thinking about the client, you're just thinking about the paperwork, right? And it's not about, you know, saying to the client, hey, how are you? And what do you need from treatment today? How are things going? What's what's new? You know, what, what can I help you with? So to put this another way, it's not just about writing client had sore upper traps treated with these techniques recall in two weeks. Okay, yeah, you know, <laughs> maybe that is how you do charting. And that's, that's not terrible like it's certainly better than not doing your charting because I know a lot of therapists who don't really do their charts very often but what it's actually about is going hey why does this client have the sore neck and shoulders so not just worrying about you know anatomically which muscles it was but like why are their neck and shoulders sore what's going on with them that's causing that you know can I help them in some way other than you know the protocols I know in the specific treatment guidelines and all that for treating you know their condition like is there something I can do to help them out to make them feel like I actually care about them as a human being you know is there things that I can do to help them out beyond just you know what I can do in this treatment today it's really a mindset shift that I'm talking about here, guys. I don't mean you're going to stop using your techniques that you've learned in school or in, you know, in, in your years of experience or in a, in a course. And I don't mean you're going to stop educating clients about research. And I don't mean you're going to stop using evidence-based practices. I hope you will always use those things. 
And I think actually you're going to do those things anyway. If you are you are a focused evidence-based therapist, that is something you are going to do regardless of the rest of the picture. It is just it's just something, you know, inherent within the way that you work with clients. But this is a super essential thing to learn and why sometimes I think we need to kind of take a step back, put away our textbooks and our protocols and our evidence-based practice mindset and protecting the profession and what's best for the profession, all that stuff, and just look at our clients as people who are struggling with something. They're struggling with a pain or a discomfort, a dysfunction, emotions, their general health, whatever is going on. Because relating to clients in that superhuman way and listening to them and working with, you know, what's really going on with them, that's what's going to make you super successful at what you do. And that honestly is what's going to get keep people to keep rebooking with you. Not, you know, your protocols and treatments and evidence-based practice. That stuff's important, but that's not the stuff they care about the most. What they care about is being just treated well and being helped with their issues And if you can show that you're doing that, if you can take a genuine interest in people, if you can involve them in their own care, you're going to have a really successful business. All right, that's it for this topic. I hope you guys learned a few things and I'll be back with you soon with another podcast episode. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. I really do appreciate your time and your efforts the times that you guys contact me with ideas for the podcast or comments about episodes or ratings and reviews, all of that. I really love it. I read all of it. I do really appreciate you guys. Um, By the way, if you would like to leave me a formal review, of course, I would really appreciate that. Head on over to iTunes, find my podcast. So life beyond the massage table, click on ratings and reviews, and then just give me a rating and a review. Five stars, of course, and a glowing review. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. You know, let me know what you really think, but I do appreciate five stars as well. Let's be real here. Now, for you guys that might be new to the podcast, let me briefly introduce myself here. My name is Candace Eisner, and I am a former massage therapist in the province of Ontario, and I've also worked in various other health and wellness careers. So I've got a pretty good view of what it's like to do what you guys do. My mission right now is to help those in health, wellness, and fitness careers build strong businesses because I really believe to my core that taking care of others has to start with taking care of you. So that's what this podcast is all about, is helping you build a business that really matches who you are and what you value and what's important to you so that you feel happy when you go to work each day. You feel like this career is the right one for you, that everything just works so much better for your life. Now, before I finish off and let you guys get about, you know, go about your day, I will mention where you can find me on social media if you would like to. The main place you can interact with me if you'd like to just chat or see what I'm posting about or, you know, get on my newsletter list or any of that kind of stuff, find me on Instagram. Um, Happy Little Biz is my username. Or, of course, you can head over to my website, happylittlebiz.com, and there's links to all that stuff there. All right, that's it. Enjoy the rest of your day and I'll be back at you soon.